The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information, please visit our website at www.ncuscr.org. I'm Dan Murphy, Senior Program Officer at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and joining me today on the NCUSCR China podcast is Joanna Lewis. Assistant Professor of Science, Technology, and International Affairs at Georgetown University, and a fellow in the third round of the National Committee's Public Intellectuals Program. We will discuss her new book, Green Innovation in China: China's Wind Power Industry and the Global Transition to a Low Carbon Economy. Joanna, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for having me. So let's begin with a general overview. Today, how does wind energy fit into China's overall energy picture, and as a subset within the clean energy picture? Give us a sense of how fast China's wind industry has developed since the first utility-scale wind turbine was installed in 1986. Well, wind energy currently is the third largest source of electricity generation in China, behind coal and hydropower.、Um, so China actually gets. Uh, more electricity from wind than it does from nuclear energy, for example, or from、um, electricity from natural gas. That said, it's still a very small source of electricity generation, under two percent. And what really has been the impressive story when it comes to wind energy is not so much the fact that it's been able to displace coal, but really the rapid growth that we've seen、um, in the Chinese context. So China's Wind energy market is, in fact, the largest in the world, and just over the past decade, they've seen exponential growth in、uh, wind energy capacity. Essentially, they've been able to at least double、uh, their installed wind energy capacity every year for the last、uh, decade or so. And、um, as of 2012, they have an estimated 80 gigawatts or so.、Um, figures are still coming in from last year, but 80 gigawatts is, is Far more capacity than any other country in the world. The U.S. would be、uh, in second place with、uh, approximately 60 gigawatts. Is China's power grid set up to accept this capacity? And how prevalent are cases where there are large-scale wind facilities that are not well connected to the grid? Yeah, there's really been、uh, quite a bit of technical challenges related to China's scale up of wind electricity. Part of this is really because China is experimenting with installing the scale of wind power capacity that we have not yet seen in any other country around the world, and because、uh, wind is a renewable resource and intermittent resource,、um, you know the wind is not always blowing, and so the grid has to make adjustments for、uh, integrating large amounts of wind energy、uh, in the context of the other types of.、Uh, Electricity generation on the grid. So what we've really been seeing is that because、uh, the grid in China is not well interconnected, and wind energy resources in China are not always located in the same place as the electricity demand is located, this has led to not just transmission challenges,、um, and China's been very rapidly building up transmission lines to accommodate the expansion in wind energy as well as in in other types of、uh, energy sources, but. Real improvements needing to be put in place to deal with integration. So essentially, how they can balance wind energy with other sorts of、uh, electricity within the grid. So,、um, for example,、uh, one thing that we're seeing is that the grid companies in China 
um, which are ultimately responsible for making sure the lights stay on if they do this, if they do this effectively, uh, have been curtailing very large amounts of uh, wind electricity. So this essentially means uh, shutting off wind farms, not allowing their electricity to be accepted into the electricity grid. And this is, this is a lose-lose proposition, not just for you know, the generation of low-carbon electricity in China, but also for the developers themselves, which lose money because they are paid um, per electricity, per kilowatt hour of electricity that's generated from wind. And that's the way that their subsidies for wind energy are designed. So it's actually estimated that the, the widespread curtailment of wind farms might have cost the wind industry in China, you know, about $1.5 billion last year, you know, as they try to integrate this wind energy into a relatively inflexible and primarily coal-based grid system. Now, your book shows that China's been very successful at developing its wind energy industry. At the same time, I hear some people say that China has problems with innovation. So what is it about China's innovation systems that have allowed it to be successful in this area? Why has it been such a high priority for the Chinese government? And are there lessons there for the development of green energy or more specifically wind energy in the United States? Well, I think that, um, I mean, what I do in this book is I look at both how China has been able to acquire wind power technology um, as a latecomer to this industry uh, through different models of cooperation, different models of technology transfer between foreign firms and Chinese firms. Um, and then simultaneously, I look at how the Chinese government has really put in place this, this national system to encourage innovation in wind energy and in other green energy technologies. Um, innovation meaning, um, you know, both R&D in these technologies as well as demonstration and, and deployment of these technologies. And so we sort of had these two different paths happening simultaneously. And I think, you know, what really motivated the Chinese government's decision to really get engaged in this industry is, you know, and partially it's environmental. Um, you know, this is a green energy technology. It's, it can provide one source of uh, low carbon, low emission energy for the country. But I think the real motivation is industrial policy. This is an industry that, you know, within the last decade has been identified as a strategic emerging industry um, for Chinese firms to be involved in. And Therefore, um, in the context of China's larger-scale economic and development planning, it's been one of the industries that's been targeted both for government support as well as um, for real expansion. So we've seen a, a real success story in terms of uh, China's ability to, you know, essentially take a, a technology that's been developed elsewhere and incorporate it into its own um, knowledge base, but I think the real innovation piece here comes in the fact that they've not just copied this technology, they've really now been able to um, manufacture state-of-the-art uh, wind turbine designs and actually be developing the next generation of this technology, and eventually you're going to see this technology exported around the world, although it's still, for the most part, most of the wind turbines that are made in China are for the extremely large Chinese market. In the book, I also compare the model that um, many of these Chinese firms have used to the model of other emerging economy firms um, because really, you know, in the, the context of how as a planet we're going to deal with climate change, it's important to try to understand how the developing world is going to be able to leapfrog to low-carbon energy technologies. And China, as the largest single national emitter of CO2, is really, you know, the most important case to understand how this leapfrog can occur 
how this transition to a low-carbon energy system can occur. Um, but you see many of the models that Chinese firms have been using to transfer technology are, are very similar to the models that, for example, com companies in India and even companies in South Korea are using as well. Um, and increasingly you see linkages to the technology transfers taking place in low-carbon energy sectors in, for example, emerging Asia to what's happening in South America and even um, to some extent in, in Africa. So I think that we're going to see increasingly, you know, China setting an example within these industries for the developing world. And China has really already played an important role in bringing down the cost of these technologies and making them more uh, affordable and accessible uh, to the developing world as well. So I want to switch gears here a little bit and ask you about the current situation for Chinese direct investment in clean energy and wind energy in the United States and prospects for the future of that. Well, we've seen you know a fair, a, an increase in Chinese foreign direct investment in the United States across the board, and clean energy is, of course, one area um, where Chinese firms would like to expand. Um, but I think that there's been some some real political challenges to Chinese firms in, in a variety of clean energy sectors, including wind energy, getting involved in the U.S. market. There were um, a couple of high-profile cases of uh, Chinese firms trying to build wind farms in the U.S., for example, and um, the U.S. Congress getting involved uh, in blocking these projects. Um, you know, there's Sometimes um, they can get involved because of security concerns, and if there are real security concerns, then we may see that be the reason for um, blocking our project. But I think that you know more frequently it's a it's sort of a more nebulous political concept behind how different countries are trying to promote their own clean energy industries and what this means for the broader competitive environment globally. So you see, I think, you know, a few Chinese firms starting to make inroads into the U.S. market. You see this has been much more successful, for example, in solar than it has in wind. And I think that one um, potential cause for concern is the increase in um, international trade disputes surrounding clean energy technologies, uh, and particularly between the U.S. and China. Um, there's recently been, just in the last year or so, a couple of a very high-profile high uh, trade disputes uh, between China and the United States surrounding both solar energy and wind energy technologies, and um, this has created a fair amount of friction uh, between these two countries in this sector, um, which I think is, you know, it's somewhat disappointing because there is a lot of a very good clean energy cooperation also happening between these two countries, both led by governments and uh, between firms. And so while I think it's, of course, important for uh, both of our countries to play an important role in, in making sure that everyone plays by international trade rules. Um, this could actually be you know, extremely detrimental for not just the Chinese renewable energy industries, but for the U.S. renewable energy industries as well. How would you evaluate the successes and challenges of U.S.-China clean energy cooperation and specifically wind energy? And can you tell us about maybe briefly one or two success stories and, and one or two challenges, and lastly, if you have any specific policy recommendations for the United States or China on future clean energy cooperation, what would they be? Well, the United States and China have been cooperating on uh, issues related to energy and the environment for over three decades now, and I think the just in the last uh, few years, we've seen a real surge in the types of programs that our, our countries are participating in. 
Um, back in 2009, at the beginning of the Obama administration, uh, Presidents Hu and Obama signed the seven new bilateral clean energy cooperation agreements, and you know several of these have have really made some great inroads in the last four years. In the area of wind energy in particular, um, this is an area, because this is essentially a commercially available technology, a lot of the cooperation, um, including cooperation that is led by the National Renewable Energy Laboratory um, in Colorado, uh, they work a lot with uh, the Chinese government to, for example, improve a lot of the, the technical abilities surrounding wind energy forecasting. This is something that can really help to address the integration challenges I mentioned earlier. If the grid companies have a better sense of when the wind is actually going to blow and forecast this, it can, it can really help with curtailment issues. Um, other technical cooperation issues surround operation and maintenance of these wind farms, siting, for example, wind resource measurements, et cetera. So um, these are all areas that have been really active for cooperation and I think are, are really viable um, things to cooperate on because you don't run into sort of intellectual property and competitiveness issues when you're really dealing with a lot of the um, know-how surrounding how you actually implement these technologies. Just because China has the hardware to install wind farms and, you know, they're now the largest market in the world doesn't mean there's still a lot of experience they can, um, they can learn from, you know, the U.S. and European forerunners in these industries that have had a lot more time um, actually running these wind farms. Uh, and making sure that they are um, are performing well. Um, I think some other areas where we see some some really interesting models of cooperation emerging in the clean energy space um, is, for example, the U.S.-China Clean Energy Research Center. Uh, so unlike the program I just mentioned, this actually is trying to encourage the research and development between uh, consortiums made up of Chinese firms, universities, national laboratories, and U.S. counterparts to develop uh, really new clean energy technologies, next generation technologies. Um, and so what's really novel about this project is that they've come up with some very sophisticated technology management plans for dealing with intellectual property concerns as you are jointly innovating and developing new clean energy technologies. Um, that said, I think that you know, while we have a very, you know, a very robust program of cooperation underway, I think what we've maybe are lacking at this point um, in the relationship is, is really a higher level strategic look at, at how, these, how our two countries can cooperate in this field going forward. Um, I think a lot of the cooperation has sort of turned into these more you know, on the ground, technical level um, projects which are extremely important and, and can be extremely effective because they're somewhat less political. Um, but uh, we've sort of lost the higher level uh, dialogue on issues like climate change, um, you know, which I think a few years ago had really risen to, you know, one of the, I'd say, top three issues of U.S.-China cooperation, but now has probably slid um, a bit lower in the, the list of priorities between our two countries, and it's, and it's not that this issue has become uh, less important globally. And I think if we sort of lose the strategic high-level engagement on issues like climate change, clean energy, uh, and environmental, you know, environmental challenges more broadly, um, then we sort of lose our, our overarching way to look for new ways to engage China as issues emerge. Um, and of course, new issues are emerging all the time. Well, it looks like we're out of time, but Joanna, I want to thank you for joining me on the NCU SCR China podcast today to discuss this very important topic. Thank you.